Good morning. I'm so glad to be here. Are you? Hey, do you know what you have right now? Uh, this may be maybe uh, new news to you, but um, you have an amazing church. And if you're here for the first time, whoo, you found it. Good for you. Do you know what I know about amazing churches is, is that they don't just fall from the sky. You know, you're not just walking down the street and go like, oh my God, what just hit me in the head? Oh, it's an amazing church. No, it doesn't happen that way. What happens is amazing churches are built by amazing people. And you have two of the most amazing in your pastors, Devet and Jared. Would you appreciate your pastors and their family? Yeah, I mean, this was so cool. It's on 29, bro. They didn't, they didn't give me 35. I'm good? Okay. I got the clock in the back. I'm watching the clock. Watch the clock. Watch the clock. Okay. So I have ADD and pray for me and you'll be blessed. So, you know, anywho, I've never met these guys. So I woke up this morning in a stranger's house and they put me up in their daughter's bedroom. And it was beautiful. I mean, all the little lights and all the decorations. And for the love of God, is it possible to get one more pillow on that bed? I mean, Bed Bath & Beyond loves the mains. But thank you for sharing that. Anyway, uh, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Roger, and I pastor a church in the Seattle area, a little town called Puyallup. Um, it's a little town of 25,000 people, and we have a lot of military, a lot of family. We're very kind of blue-collar hicks. So here we are. Uh, I'd like to introduce my family to you, if I may. I have a photograph of them to my right and to your left. You'll see my son. His name is Jake. And Jake is 23 years old, and he oversees our what we call United Generation. So from junior high, uh, high school, and young adults. So on any given weekend, there'll be 900 young adults gathering on the weekend under his care. He's like an amazing, amazing young man. Um, and for the love of God, cut your hair. You know, just Samson, come on, cut it. But he says, Dad, I'm looking at you, and while I got it, I want to rock it. So just get off me. So there you go. <laughs> Next to him is my beautiful daughter-in-law. Her name is Ashley, and uh, this is Jake's assistant. Nice gig if you can get it, right? Lunch is fun. So um, she's my favorite because now she's given us our first grandchild. So I like her more than my own children. Uh, and next to her is my 24-year-old daughter who oversees our East Campus. She's the East Campus pastor, beautiful, amazing woman of God with a powerful story. And you can see the Holy Spirit just shining on me. And you, just, you can tell I'm anointed because there it is. Or I have no hair. So um, next, to her, next to me is my beautiful, beautiful wife, Tina, uh, full Italian. She's just so sweet. If there was a fourth person in the Trinity, it would be her. Um, we'll skip over this guy and go to my daughter, Adrian, who is 25, and she's my personal assistant, and basically my boss loves her job far too much. Any of you uh, have strong-willed children? You ever want to send them back? That's Adrian. So when we started the church, I mean, we, I so identify with your pastor, because like, like your brave pastors, we parachuted into a town where we didn't know anybody. We set up a little sandwich board in front of our house. It says, home Bible study, all are welcome. Guess how many people came? None. So I, uh, I had a Mormon missionary come to our house, and uh, led both of them to Jesus. And they're still in our church today, by the way, with their families. And I thought, wait a minute, if they can do it, I'm better at sales than they are. I got a better product than they do. Let's go get it. So we went out to 3,800 houses door to door in three months. And that's how we built our church. And so when people were coming over, we'd go out to dinner because neither my wife or I can cook. We would love to, we just stink. So we don't. Uh, now my favorite food for the record is Asian. I can eat Asian food morning, noon, and night for dessert and a snack. Love me some Asian food. 
My oldest daughter, because I love it, she hates it. And it's only because I love it. And so I said, where do you guys want to go? My daughter, she's five years old, anywhere but Asian. I'm like, you just get in line, sister. We're going to Asian and you will like it. So we go to Asian. And now her rebellion, of course, is growing because now it's a competition. And so where do you want to go to lunch? Anywhere but Asian. I don't like anything or any one Asian. I said, back up, sister. Half the planet is Asian. You better get in line with Jesus. So don't you love the sense of humor of God? Right next to her is her husband, Spencer Nakamura. Oh, she gonna be giving me Japanese grandbabies, Papa-san. Papa-san, Raja-san. Uh, I wanna show you a couple pictures of our campus and we'll get right into the word. Um, so here's a picture of our North Campus. Our North Campus is a, is a 10 acre site. Uh, we own all the houses around. They served as dormitories. We're a satellite campus of Southeastern University. We have 140 students living in our campuses, getting a, a total of 17 different majors. And uh, we believe in you know, that paper key that turns the lock. Education is critical. So people in graduate and uh, undergraduate work living there. Uh, after a couple of years, that got too, too, uh, too small. So then God gave us the shopping center, which you can identify with, our South Campus. And so, uh, cool view of Mount Rainier in the background, and people love going there. It's a great, and the, all these campuses, by the way, are 12 minutes apart. And then uh, that one blew up, and so then we went up on the hill to another location, to a place called Bonnie Lake, and this is our East Campus. And so, you know, we're family. Are you ready for the Word of God today? All right, good. I want to talk to you out of the book of Second Chronicles. The title of my message is Battle Identification. Battle Identification. I want to give you a little backdrop. In uh, 873 BC, that means before Christ. 873 BC. The nation of Israel, uh, just 50 years earlier, had gone through a civil war. We understand that with North and South in America. 100 miles long, 45 miles wide, the nation of Israel got in a civil war. 10 of the 12 tribes moved north to Samaria. Two of them stayed south in Jerusalem. Now, this was the time... Uh, when the northern kingdom was actually following God. But the people uh, whose land they kind of started bumping up against were not fond that they were there. So they formed a coalition and said, we're going to knock you out. We're going to take you out. And so these kings started paying tribute monies to get other armies. So there were five kings against one king, and his name was Jehoshaphat. Aren't you glad you live when you live? I looked up baby book names, Right? These are the top names for girls, top five. Emma, Olivia, Ava, Isabella, Sophia. Are we in Italy or America? <laughs> top boy names, Liam, Noah, Lucas, Mason, Logan, Jehoshaphat. Aren't you glad you live when you live? <laughs> so Jehoshaphat, understandably, was uh, full of trepidation, angst, he was a nervous wreck because he saw five armies coming up against his one army. They were not very well schooled in the art of war. These other, uh, these other kingdoms had been versed in war for 200 years and they're rallying together. Now, we pick up the story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. And he said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, Listen, King Jehoshaphat. I just like saying that name for some strange reason. 
This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty armor, mighty army. We live in a very volatile world. I think we all would agree. All we have to do is turn on CNN, Fox News, however, get your mediums and outlets on your smartphones or on cable, and you can see we live in an incredibly volatile world. And it is quite common for us to experience fear. And see, it doesn't matter how much money you have when the doctor's report comes back and says the tumor is, in fact, malignant. It doesn't matter how much money you have when uh, the relationship comes to a violent conclusion. You can't save it for all you're worth. There are moments in your life when you are going to have circumstance and situation where the natural predisposition would be to be afraid. Now, less dramatic, but even more so common, is discouragement. Come on. You, some of you just get out of bed discouraged. Now, I, I feel sorry. There's a place uh, in heaven for people like my wife who are married to people like me. I wake up straight up out of bed, just like this, serious, wanting to talk, wanting to sing. And, and she just says, for the love of God, stop. <laughs> but because we're mortal and we're human, we're all going to be discouraged. That's why you have to have battle identification. Because listen to what he says. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged by this mighty army. Why? For the battle is not yours, but God's. You see, when you're going through circumstance and going through situation, you're going through heartbreak and you're going through things that would otherwise absolutely make you be terrified, when you understand just whose battle it is, you are less afraid and less discouraged until you're not at all because the battle belongs to the Lord. Come on, somebody say amen. Tomorrow, march out against them. Now, wait a minute. I thought you said the battle's yours, yo. Why do I get my battle gear on and go up and fight those, those people if the battle's all yours? Here's the deal. You don't have to make both ends meet, but you have to do your end. God's just not going to do it for you. God wants you to flex your muscles of development, but he, he wants you to watch him come through in the clutch when it gets really, really sticky and scary. But you've got to do your end. You will find them coming through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens up in the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not even need to fight. Take your positions. Then stand and watch the Lord's victory. Why? Because he is with you. Isn't it great to know right now, irrespective of your position in life, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you will face or go through, isn't it grand to know that there's a God that's already been there? Your God is for you. Then the king... Then the king Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground and all the people of Jerusalem and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping. Come on, everybody say worshiping. worshiping. There's something that happens when you worship God that triggers the heavenlies to act on your behalf. And I know what some of you are thinking, like, I don't sing very good. This is not about vocal tone quality. It's about the position of your heart and making joyful noises to God. When you begin to worship God with your vocal intonations, he hears it like Mariah Carey. Then the Levites, is that a brand of clothing? No, the Levites. 
There are 12 tribes in the nation of Israel, and everyone have, every one of those 12 tribes have a prefunctory function or role that they would perform. The Levites were the official clergy. They would be in the tabernacle or the mobile tent where they worshiped God, and their job was to set it up, tear it down, and then to, uh, to conduct worship services on the behalf of God. I love this part of the story. Then the Levites from the clans of Koath and Korah stood, stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. What kind of a shout? Come on, do not be passive when it comes to battle identification. You gotta engage and you gotta engage vocally. And you need to be demonstrative with your vocal intonations because God is listening and so is the devil. With a very loud shout, very loud shout. Early, that's why I know it's God. I get up so like this, like this, because early. I love that adverb, early. And the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. Have anybody ever seen the movie Braveheart? Oh man, Mel Gibson is dope, yo. He got that thing going on. I, there's, there's a scene when, uh, in, in 1586 when the Scotsman uh, Wallace, William Wallace, is facing Longshanks from, from England. And he's outgunned and outmanned. He's sufficiently outplanned, William Wallace, but he has a fire in his soul. He rallies the Scotsmen together and they stand at the Battle of Dunkirk to go get their freedom from the tyranny of Longshanks. I get that vision in my heart when God is saying, you need to come to the battle lines. And I know some of you are thinking like, I'm a pacifist and I don't like to fight. Good for you. Because now you're going to be the, the one that we're going to enlist the first. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the king and singing to the Lord, praising him for his splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Now, can you imagine that conversation? Are you ready for battle? Yeah. They have their swords against their shields. Yeah, yeah. Blue face paint with crosses all of crazy hair all over the place. Okay. All of you choir boys, get to the front. What? We just signed up for the glee club. I don't care. Get to the front. Bring your bunny foo-foo slippers and you get to the front and march. Can you imagine all the soldiers that are skilled in the art of war going, what the heck are those jokers doing up there in front of us? <laughs> Battle identification. Check out verse 22. At the very moment. Come on, say at the very moment. The very moment. No, you need to listen to yourself. Say at the very moment. At the very moment, they began to sing and give praise to God. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Mount Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point of the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as the eye could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. Come on now. God has the battle in hand. The battle is not ours. The battle belongs to the Lord. And this is me decaffeinated. Okay, note-taking people, here you go. The three most important words in the English language are write it down. I thought it was I love you. Yeah, you could write that. 
Because 35 minutes after this 35-minute message is done, you're going to forget 90% of what, 95% of what I say unless you write it down. In battle identification, here is your script. Here's your go-to. Here is your manual. Number one, you need to discern the source of engagement. When you are in battle identification, you need to discern the source of engagement. You see, if Jehoshaphat had defaulted to what was common that he could see in his third-dimensional vision, he just would have put the warriors in front and let them run. But because he understood the source of engagement, because Jehoshaphat was a worshiper himself, and he understood that when you elicit the kingdom of God in the fight that you are fighting, you have an ally that is undefeated and formidable. But do you know what we do? We get down in the mud and we go toe-to-toe. Anybody uh, married in the room? Anybody used to be? Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. I've been married for 29 years to Tina. 29 years. And it feels, we are so in love. It just feels like four minutes underwater. I mean, it's it's just, you know, and there are times, there are times in marriage when it ain't gonna be like the honeymoon. We're in the middle of a marital discussion. Two days ago, I mean, serious, we, were, we just got done with our ladies' conference, and it was so powerful, and the devil was fighting against our marriage and our home because the devil hates it when we begin to lift the banner of praise to God. So he's going to come. Hey, 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 diddle, diddle, he's coming up the middle. You better get ready. <laughs> so we were having a marital discussion, and, it, and in, our, in, our, in our marriage, how it works is I get louder and she gets quieter. We're about, about oh, I don't know, three hours in. She turns to me, and I, and I swear to God, and you're not supposed to do that, but I'm doing it because I'm, I'm a guest. But I, I said, I was talking, and then she looks at me, and she goes, Roger, where's this really coming from, really? Because right now, you are not the man of God that I know to be the warrior for the Most High. You are not the envoy. You are not the mouthpiece. You are not the messenger that I know to be the leader of our church and our children and our community. Um, this is not you. Where's this really coming from? And I looked at her like, who are you? Are you the Holy Spirit taking over my wife? I felt so convicted. And you know what she did? Here's what she did. She got off the couch and slipped to her knees, folded her hands quietly, because she's a recovering Catholic, so she knows how to do that. (laughs) Folded her hands, slipped her knees, and she just started to pray for me. Oh, God, help my husband, because I know the devil's attacking him, and the words coming out of his mouth do not represent you, O Lord. Ephesians chapter 6 says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our, our fight is not against people. Our, our, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the, come on, everyone say unseen. Unseen world against his mighty powers in this dark world, against the evil spirits in heavenly places. There's a very real devil that knows your address, your social security number, your full driver's license number, and has a strategy and a plan to steal, kill, and destroy your very life. Do not kid yourself. The devil's not omnipresent, but he does have demons, and they know where you live. And that's where the war is being fought. You see, when you're tensioned in your marriage, hey, people aren't the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. When you're in a marital squabble, your wife is not the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. 
When you're at work and that boss who seems to got it in for you, he's not the enemy. That neighbor's dog who comes into your yard and does you know what, that neighbor ain't your enemy. The employees that are just creating drama in your workplace, they're not the enemy. Your mother-in-law, coin flip. No, okay. Kidding, kidding. People are not the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. And folks, the devil is real. And see, if I was the devil, and Tina's often mistaking me for him, but if I was the devil, here's what I would do. I would try to trick everyone to believe that I wasn't real. And then, gotcha. You need to discern. Hey, you need to discern the source of engagement. Number two, you need to defend your core faith. You need to defend your core faith. You need to defend your core faith. Uh, we have a lot of military folks that attend our church because we're right by JBLM. And there's military in my background. My uncle was a Congressional Medal winner in Vietnam. My, my grandfather was a decorated war veteran in World War II. My dad was a, a decorated Vietnam vet. And I love my military people who defend our freedom and the rights that we have. And we should pray for them diligently. <laughs> So uh, on JBL, I'm known as the pastor on base. There's 45,000 soldiers there, and I'm known as the pastor on base. I went with the striker brigade, and I was actually deployed with them. What they do for us and other people that can't help themselves, we have no idea. But you know what I took attention to is their body armor. And by the way, I think we need to sign a half a million dollar checks per soldier if it keeps them safe and brings our sons back and our daughters back from battle. I'm on a soapbox now, hallelujah, Jesus. But do you know what I noticed with their, with their uh, body armor? Is that they don't have bulletproof socks. And they don't have bulletproof shin guards. And they don't have bulletproof wristbands like Wonder Woman, deflecting. But what they do is they got this body covering the thoracic region of their body, protecting the vital organs. When Jesus was in the wilderness and he was fasting for 40 days. Oh, come on, somebody, 40 days? Have you ever met people that are really, really hangry? They need a box of Snickers, not one, a box. Jesus was weak in his flesh, 40 days in the wilderness, yo. 40 days in the wilderness. The devil comes to him and says, hey, you're the son of God. Go ahead and turn these stones into loaves of bread because God's gonna understand. Here's what Jesus says. No. Tell the devil no, not today. Tell the devil no, not today. No, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do you know what this book is? This book, hey, the reason why it's the bestseller of all times isn't because it's so easy reading. This book is a womb giving birth, it's a lung giving breath. And every time you turn the pages, it gives you what to say when the devil comes your way. And the word of God is gonna be the only armament against the fiery darts of the enemy. We need to raise up the shield of faith with the word of God to deflect the fiery darts of the enemy. You need to read this book more than just once a week on Sunday from your pastor off the screen. You need to have it every day. And I know what some of you be saying. Some of you be saying like, I don't understand. It is so confusing. I get it. When I was 18 years old, somebody handed me a Bible. I'd never been to church, never held a Bible. 
I'm 18 years old. Read it. That was my discipleship. See how big this book is? It can choke an elephant. I wasn't going to start the beginning. I'd never finish. So I went right to the middle. Do you know what I found? The book of Paslums. Oh, I was rocking Paslums for the first month. I was quoting. When I got to Paslums 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Wicka, 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 wicka. I was quoting Paslums like nobody's business, y'all. I didn't understand the thing I was reading. All I knew is it was changing my life. All I knew is I was being encouraged and built up when that womb was giving birth, when that lung was giving breath. That's all I needed to know. See, you need to defend your core faith. And the only defense you're going to have is not your pastor, not your pastor's wife, not the great worship programs, not the wonderful uh, education, not the wonderful classes, not the amazing building. It's the word of God. Number three. You need to decide your offensive tact. Don't you love the fact that Jehoshaphat did not just wait for the battle to come to him? Can I just give you a prophetic word this morning, my loving brothers and sisters? Some of you have been the punching bag of hell far too long. And it's time for you to rise up and becoming an offensive weapon rather than a defensive bag. Man, I love to watch me. You know, I, I told you I love Asian food. I love, Asian, I love the old Japanese movies when the lips don't match up with the words, right? Hey, do you want to go get a hamburger? No, thank you. I'm vegetarian, right? I was watching one of those old Japanese movies, and there was, a, there was this guy hitting a heavy bag, kicking a heavy bag. Smack, 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 kick. I go, man, you're working up on a lather. You are so good. Crane technique. I mean, this, this guy was going at it. I thought, How's why are they showing this? But then after the exercise was over, he unzipped the bag, and a person plopped out. And the vision I saw was my church. I saw the church. Enough. Do you hear me? Enough. Enough. You are done being a victim. You are made to be a victor by Jesus' name. You need to decide your offensive tact. Because you need to go get ground. You need to go get your man back. You need to go get that girl back. You need to go get your kids back. You need to get that job back. You need to go get that dream back. Go get that career back. Go get that education back. You need to go get back where the devil has stolen from you. It's time for you to get off your heels and get onto your toes. Stop leaning back and being in the bag, getting beaten. You need to go forward. Jehoshaphat had to go do something. He didn't know what to do. He was scared. He was insecure. He was uncertain. And yet he knew this, that the battle belonged to the Lord. It's battle identification. Someone say amen. amen. Fourth and finally, you need to declare your allegiance. Come on now. You need to declare your allegiance. In this grotesque world of political correctness that makes me just want to throw up in my mouth. I just watch people capitulate, acquiesce, kowtow, bow down, and cower to a world spirit. Well, I don't want to really offend anybody, so I'll just stay like Switzerland. <laughs> Come on, man. You need to put your jersey on that represents Jesus. I, I, I've read... I, I read books. Hey, readers are leaders and leaders are readers. But here's the deal. Whenever I read books now, I always go to the last chapter to see how it ends and then go back and I, I, I hate surprises. <laughs> so right after Paslums, I went to Revelation. 
uh, we win. <laughs> we win. I read, the, I read the end. But there are so many people that are so passive and they whine. Oh, have you ever met a whiner? For the love of God, just trick yourself and change the record. See what happens to you. Self-deception is good if it helps you. My freshman year of college, football. Uh, I was that freshman. I missed my orientation, missed my flight from Spokane to Missouri. And uh, I, didn't get, uh, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. Late, late, bad, bad, bad. Wasn't, I was a wolf raised by wolves. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't know anything. No mentorship. I was, I was a, uh, oh, I was a terror. And so we, we have our first uh, plane trip. And so we're in Arkansas. And I'm going through my travel bag. I forgot my jersey. My coach was so furious with me. He went across the sideline. Our colors were, uh, were black and gold. Their colors were red and white. So we were in our away jerseys, and he goes over and says, hey, can I have one of your uh, away jerseys? I want to teach one of my players a lesson. So my coach made me put on, you know, when you watch a football game, how many colored jerseys are there? Two. I was wearing, I ran out of the tunnel with the other team's other jersey on. And the laughter that echoed through the stadium was ridiculous. Like, what's going on? You see, here's what you've got to decide. Like Joshua, when Joshua was leading the children of Israel into their promised land, he says this. But if you refuse the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the lowercase g gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the lowercase g gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. The battle is not ours. The battle belongs to the Lord. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me as Pastor Mark comes?